Hey, thanks for tuning in to the First Monroe podcast. For more information on our church, visit firstmonroe.com. We hope you enjoy. I want to ask you a question. Um, just think about it in your mind, okay? You don't have to answer it out loud. When was the first time that you realized that you were not in charge? When was the first time that you came to the awareness that you are not in charge? Or I could say it this way. When was the first time that you realized that the world did not revolve around you? You're laughing, so I guess you realize that at some point uh, in your life, that you are not in charge, uh, that the world does not revolve around you. And I would submit to you this. It was probably very young when you realize that you are not in charge. This is something that we're working through. Kirsten and I's parents are working through with Piper right now. She's about two and a half. And she's learning a very brutal lesson right now is that she is not in charge, uh, that the world does not revolve around Piper. And this is a very, very hard lesson for her to grasp. There's this, uh, as she, she calls it her, when she wants milk, she calls it cow, and she wants her juice or water or whatever. And there's this certain cup that she loves to drink out of. Out of any, uh, we have tons of sippy cups. There's this certain cup that she loves, and she only wants to drink out of that cup. Well, that's awesome when it's clean, uh, but when it's dirty or it's in the dishwasher, we'll bring in another cup, and she will just look at us and say no. And you know, it's, it's hard for her to grasp. And we under, and it's, it's, I think it's patience on our part of saying, you know, we know you don't fully understand, but your cup is dirty. It's in the dishwasher. It's not going to be ready right now or really anytime soon. And so you need to, this is all you got. Like, I'm sorry, but this is the only cup that you have. And that's hard for her to process right now to understand this. You have to do what we tell you to do. If we say you drink this cup, guess what? You have to drink this cup. There's no other way around it. But it's a brutal lesson for her to learn because she is not in charge. Now, let me just say this. And I think as you laughed, I think it's a hard lesson for Piper to understand that she's not in charge. But I think this is a lesson that all of us still have a problem with. That it doesn't just stop when you're a toddler and then you grab this lesson and then you go about your life realizing, you know what, I'm not in charge and I'm so happy about it. I realize the world does not revolve around me. But I would say this, it's still a very brutal lesson for us to recognize this truth that you still aren't in charge. This world still does not revolve around you and this is a very, very hard lesson. This is actually the lesson that Peter in this next section of Scripture really begins to dive into. And one of the things that he instructs the believers during this time is one of the things they have to get comfortable, if they want to be effective, one of the things they have to get comfortable with is authority. They have to get comfortable with abiding by authority. Now, this is something that's very hard for us. And one of the things that he's going to instruct us this morning is the same thing for us. If we want to be effective in our culture, we have to be comfortable with authority. So let me say this, and uh, I'll give you the main idea this morning. I just let me say, just say this: we're going to talk about a very, very dirty word. Okay, so just everybody's head kind of popped up. If you were sleeping, you kind of your head kind of popped up on that one. So he, let me pose. Let me say this, and I'm going to tell you why I say this. As Christians, and what we'll see this morning is that we must get comfortable with the S word. Okay, as Christians, we must get comfortable with the S word, and here's what I mean by S word. Submission. If we, as believers, want to be effective, we have to get comfortable with the word submission. And here's why. And so if you take notes, here's the main idea. Submission to authority 
reveals the gospel. Submission to authority reveals the gospel. Now, let me just say this. In this passage, and we'll read this, he's building, Peter is building a case that if we truly want to display the gospel in this culture, in this nation, where you are, this isn't just written to America, this is written to whatever nation, whatever culture you find yourselves in. If we truly want to display the gospel and have the gospel on display, we must learn to submit to authority. Joy, right? So you should have your Bibles turned to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verses 13 through 17. And here's what it says. Be subject or be submissive for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the emperor. In this section of scripture, Peter starts off with this command. He starts off with this command. thing that he's instructing us to do. And he says this in verse 13, go back and look at 13. He starts off with this. He says, be subject, be submission. He's talking about the word submission. And here's what he does in this next section is he actually says this three different times. I want you to notice this. Look in 13. He's, this is what he's, he's doing. He's calling us to be submissive to first and foremost, governmental authority. Look down in verse 18. He's he's calling us to be submissive to our master or our boss. And so we'll cover that when we get to this section of Scripture. So those who are in charge over you at work or whatever it may be, be submissive to them. And then turn over to chapter 3, verse 1. And he says this, for wives to be submissive or subject to their husbands. And so what he does is he's building this case that if you and I really want to display the gospel, we have to be willing to submit to the governmental authorities. We have to be willing to submit to the authority of those that are placed over us. And then he begins to dive into the marriage relationship to say that you and I are as a wife, you must be submissive to your husband. That's going to be awesome. I can't wait till we cover that section. Um, it's going to be awesome. Uh, husbands are probably like, you know, like, hey, be sure to be there on that day. Let me just preface this before we won't get to that today. But let me just say this, if, if, if husbands, if you're kind of uh, elbow and say, hey, be sure to be there. Well, let me just say after that, he begins to address husbands. And so husbands, if you're doing that, you have to be there that day too. Uh, and actually what he says, Peter says, is, hey, if you don't live in a loving and understanding way with your wife, God won't hear your prayers at all. That's fun, husbands. And so he, he gets on husbands as well. So please, wives, <laughs> I was thinking about this, man, this could be brutal. I'm going to have every woman, First Baptist Church, mad at me. Um, but we'll deal with what it looks like to be submissive to your husband. And so in a sense, what he's saying in all these, these three different things is you and I need to learn to be submissive to authority around us. Here's the problem. That sounds like zero fun. Who in here loves to say, you know what, I just willingly want to submit to authority. Well, let me say this. Some authority is okay. But I think all of us, in some way, someone in here, we have a problem with some type of authority in our life. That there's some type of authority maybe that we, I'll I'll do that. But then I think there's other types in our life where we say, I I don't want any part of that. Let me just say, I think this word in our culture and in our day, uh, it's kind of like, it's like a bad word. 
Uh, it's a word that we don't really want to talk about. It's a word that kind of makes us feel uncomfortable. There was actually a commentary that I was reading. And one of the things that actually makes us very note, before it gets into the passage, it has a special note to the preacher. And it says, whatever you do, when you get to this section of Scripture, do not go by it and preach it the way that Peter intended it by the Holy Spirit to be preached. You, you, can't, you can't not talk about it. This is what we find in Scripture. This is why I love preaching through books of the Bible is because this would be something very easy like, I don't think I'm going to touch that. Uh, you know, we have women in here, oh, hey, be submissive to your husband. It's like, let's just skip that and let's just go to something else. But we have to deal with it. It's in the text. We have to say, what does that mean? And so this is something that's really hard. Chuck Swindoll said it this way, and I think he said it best. He said, let's get something very clear. Our problem is not with understanding what submission means. Our problem is doing what it says. He says, and here's why, because submission is difficult. Let me just say this. I made a list. You may be able to relate to these. Submission's hard. Submission to authority is hard. Here's why. Number one is, I wrote this down. Here's why I think submission is hard is because it makes you look weak. Right? If you're submitting to something, it makes you look weak. It makes you look like uh, you lose in a sense. Another reason why submission I think is hard is because it makes you feel inferior. I think this is one of the things, and we'll deal with it when we get to the wives and husbands. I think one of the things why... Uh, a lot of women say we need to take that out is because it makes them feel inferior. Now, we see all throughout Scripture, women are not inferior to men. We see they were created, what, both in the image of God. But there's a tendency when you hear that word to think of inferior, and so people don't like that word because it makes them feel inferior. Another thing, as I said this earlier, is it may- means that we lost. So I've submitted. I've I've lost. This is, you may relate to this one. I think uh, one reason why we don't like submissiveness is because I don't like to be told what to do. There's some people I don't mind, but there's some times where it's like, I don't want you to tell me what to do. Have you ever felt like that? I know you are just great Christians out there, and you've never thought that before, ever. But sometimes you're like, you know what? You can't tell me what to do. I think another reason is at the end of the day, We all want to be our own boss. We all want to be in charge. And so for us, I think this is very, very hard. But here's what the challenge is as we look at this text and as we examine this. Here's what we need to see this very clearly. Even though while it's hard, it's difficult, it may feel weird, and it may feel abnormal in our culture, understand this is what God's called us to do. I want you to go back in your text, whether you have it on your phone or your Bible. Look back in verse 15. Look what it says. For this is the will of God. Now, there's a lot of times in our life, I don't know if you've ever prayed this, like, I wonder what God's will for my life is. Now, sometimes I think we pray and we seek God's will, but sometimes God's very, very clear in Scripture saying, this is my will. He's very clear. This is my will for your life. If you are a believer, this is God's will for you, that you would be submissive to the authorities around you. Those who have authority over them, you would be submissive to them. This is, this is God's will. He goes on to say this. This is God's will that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He says, this is God's will and it's good. It's good that you do this. What Peter's instructing us under the influence of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is something that's good. But let me say something that's overarching over all of this. Is the reason why you and I must get comfortable with the idea of submission is because you can't be a Christian without submission. And so here's why I want to peel back. And I, we're not going to look at government authority today. We're not going to look at boss-type relationship. We're not going to look at wives. What we're going to look at this morning is we're going to peel it all back because here's what I was convinced of. You will not fully submit yourself 
to governmental authority, to a boss authority, to a husband or whatever it may be, if you haven't first submitted your life to the authority and rule and reign of God. This, in a sense, what Peter is in the background of everything Peter is saying is if you haven't first submitted yourself to God, if you haven't first submitted yourself to Him, His will, His authority, there is no way that you're going to submit yourself to earthly authorities. That it starts this. Do you remember what actually Paul says this in Ephesians 5? Remember when he's instructing wives? It's similar to what Peter says here. He says, wives, be submissive to your husbands. And he says this, as to the Lord. Meaning this, you should already know what it means to submit. You should already know what it means by that because you've already done it to God. You and I are to submit to God. In a sense, this, when we come to God, one of the things that we do is we submit ourselves to God under His rule and reign. Now, I think here is one of the troubles, and here's what we'll see this morning, is I think, I think we have a trouble with submission because we have a trouble submitting ourselves to God. James 4, 7 says, when we looked in the book of James, he tells us this, Therefore, submit yourselves to God. And so here's, uh, you know this about me, or I hope you know this about me. I'm a, I, I ask a lot of questions. And I'm always thinking, and as I was reading this, I was like, we got to build a huge framework before we can get into obeying government and all those kind of things. We first and foremost have to understand, if you have not submitted and obeying and falling under the rule and reign of God, the other things don't matter. And so I want us to first look at this idea of what does it look like to submit to God? What does it look like to come under and be submissive to God? So that's this morning what I want us to do. Before we get into this, I want us to start there because I think there is where we have to start. Now let me just say this. There's two facets of submission that I want us to examine this morning. So as we peel back and look at the idea of what submission means, I want us to see two things there. And then in each of those, here's what I'm going to do. The ultimate picture of submission is Jesus. Look back in the text. I want to show you this, and then we'll jump into the two things this morning. Look back in verse 21. 1 Peter 2, verse 21, it says this. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, and it says this, leaving for you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He's saying this, the ultimate picture of what it means to be submissive. The ultimate picture, what it means to in these ways and in submission to God is in the person of Jesus Christ. So in each one of these things, what I want us to do is peel back to see Jesus Christ is the perfect example of what it looks like to be submissive to the authority and will of God over, over our life. And so I want us to see that. So if you take notes, number one, as we look at the idea of submission, number one is this. Submission requires surrender. Submission, when we talk about the idea of submission, the first facet I want us to see is, number one, submission requires surrender. When you look at this term in verse 13, verse 18, and then chapter 1, verse 1, when we look, it says to be subject, to be submissive. Here's what that term means. This is a military term. So there were, as we played earlier, as there are people in here that have served in military, they should understand this concept very well. Here's the definition. I want to give you several that it gives of this term to submit. It means this. To fall under the rank of another in authority means to arrange in formation under the commander. Or it means this, to be subordinate to or to obey. So it says what he's saying is, is he's calling us to be subject or as he's calling us to be submissive. It's this military terminology. One of the things you see very clearly in the army or in whatever uh, area it is, navy or whatever. There are ranks and you will respect the person that is above you. 
there is this thing or where you have to surrender in a sense under or be subordinate to those who are ranked above you. This is the same terminology that he's using here that we should apply to God. It's the, this brings about the connotation of surrender. I don't know if you watch, um, you might, you may not, uh, UFC or I know that's kind of extreme violent, but UFC or mixed martial arts. And one of the things in this is they have these things called submission holds. And the whole thing is once you get someone in a submission hold, you want them to what? You want them to tap to say, hey, I'm out. You win, I lose. And that's one of the whole goals is to hopefully get them to submit them. That's in a sense this whole terminology, what it means. It means you recognize that someone's bigger, someone's greater. You're willing to say, you know what? I lose, you win. That's this whole terminology when we look at this word surrender. And here's what we need to understand is this is what it means when we come to God and submit ourselves to God. It means this, that we surrender to him. It means that we submit to him. It means this, that we recognize that there's someone greater. There's someone holier. There's someone more powerful. I can say this with this bad English. There's someone gooder. Okay, that's not right English, so I know that. So, so Kirsten didn't get on me when I get home. He's good. He's, he's better. He's better than anything. And here's in a sense when it says submit to God is we surrendered to him saying, I recognize that you're greater. You have a greater authority. You have a greater power than me. And I willingly surrender my life to you. Now, Jesus does the perfect picture of what it means to surrender oneself to God. I don't know if you remember the picture uh, in the story that takes place in Matthew 26. Remember when Jesus, this is leading up to when he's about to be crucified. You remember he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember he goes to pray. Now, uh, we'll see this throughout Peter. Peter saw all of this because Peter was a first-hand witness to all of these things. Remember, this is the account where Peter falls asleep. Peter falls asleep, and I want to read to you just to remind you what Jesus says. He goes into verse 39, he says this, And going a little further, Jesus fell on his face. He prayed, saying, Father... If it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He says he goes, he finds Peter asleep, and then in verse 42 it says this, Again, for the second time, he went and he prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink, your will be done. Can you imagine this, that Jesus is at the point of knowing that he is about to go forward with the plan of God to not only be crucified, but to bear the wrath of God on behalf of humankind, to, 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 to bear the penalty of sin on him. And he knew that this was what was approaching. And here's what he says. If there is any other way, please allow me to go that way. But he ends every single prayer with this. But it's not my will. It's yours. One of the things that you see in the picture of Jesus in this moment is complete and utter submission to the will of God. You see this, there is complete and other surrender. God, it's not about my will. It's about yours. What we see in the scripture is that the same thing is for us. You and I are called to do the exact same thing. So let me do this. Let me ask you some questions. Number one, have you submitted yourself to God? I can pose it a different way. Have you surrendered your will to His will? As I was writing these questions, I thought this is a good question to ask in our culture. 
And what I mean by culture, like in the South. We've said this before. We can go to the mall and we can ask someone, uh, are you a Christian? And guess what most people are going to say? Yes. Here's the ultimate question I think we need to recognize. There's a lot of people that mentally believe in Jesus. They mentally would, would, would say, you know what, I believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross. I mentally believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected uh, three days later. But here's the ultimate question. Have you surrendered your will to His? You know that's what it means to follow Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said? If anyone would come after me, what? He must what? Deny himself and take up an instrument of death, a cross. Not a necklace, not a bracelet, an instrument of death. If you want to follow Jesus... You can't serve yourself and him at the same time. There has to be submission to the will and the reign and authority of God. Here's what's crazy is when we start to peel this back. Have you submitted your will to his? This is a convicting question. Because if I say, hey, does anyone believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross? I would say every hand would shoot up. But here's a different question. Have you submitted yourself to what he has done for you and said, it's not about my will, it's about your will over my life. That God, I'm willing to let go of my authority of my life and I'm willing for you to take authority and be the boss of my life. There's a guy and a writer by the name of A.W. Tozer and he says this in in his book called The Pursuit of Man. Or it was titled The Divine Conquest. I want you to listen to what he says. And this is, just listen to what he says. This is hard. He says, The experiences of men who walk with God in olden times agree to teach that the Lord cannot fully bless a man until he has first conquered him. The degree of blessing enjoyed by any man will correspond exactly with the completeness of God's victory over him. In a sense, what he's saying is, here's what needs to take place. Your will has to die. And his will has to become supreme in your life. Have you submitted yourself to the authority and will of God over your life? Let me get practical for a second. That means this. If you're a young person, teenager, college age, whatever... Have you submitted yourself to say, it's not what I want to major in. God, it's what do you want me to major in? It's asking this question. Not who I want to date, but God, who do you want me to date? Not who I want to marry, but God, who do you want me to marry? Let's peel it back even more. God, not do this is my career and this is the job I want to take. God, is this is what you want me to take, what you want me to do. Is this how I should run a business? Or God, is this your will for how I should run my business? Do you get, I, I mean, we can keep going. But I think you begin to see, it becomes this question. If I'm a follower of Jesus, it means this, that every facet of my life, I begin to ask this question. It's not what I want to do. It's what he wants over me and what he desires me to do. It's saying this, not my will, but your will be done. This is what it means to be submissive to the authority and will of God. And the question comes for all of us, have you submitted to that? 
You know, I think probably for me, and let me just preface by saying this, this is hard. And I think even for me, I think there's an initial, and as we see in Scripture, there's an initial coming to God to submit ourselves. But I think through the process of sanctification and the Holy Spirit, there's this continual learning to learning what it means to submit ourselves to God. But let me just peel back this. This is even an application. If we really say that I've submitted myself to God, that means this, that God, what you tell me to do in your word, I'll do it. Let me go back to last week. Last week we peeled back and basically asked this question, or not asked this question, but basically here's what God has called us to do. What is that? To love people. In the text, the second greatest commandment is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Neighbor means a lot of different people. It actually means everybody. Anybody that you come in contact with. It's not like your physical neighbor. Anybody. And he says, here's how you're to love them the same way you would want to be loved. Now, let me ask this question. Do you treat that as a suggestion or do you treat that as a command? Because here's what's crazy and here's what God began to peel back my life. If I really say that I've submitted myself to the will and authority of God, it means this. I now look at it as not as God suggesting this to me. I now look at it as, hey, this is what God has told me to do. I don't have an option. Let me just say, just, I think this is exposes why the process of sanctification, I need the Holy Spirit to fill me and fill me and fill me to get the flesh out of me. Why is because of this? Because I think many times the way we're exposed is many times I treat the Bible as just a big suggestion. If it's comfortable, if it's convenient, I'll do it. If it's too hard, I'll opt out and I'll find an awesome excuse to do it. If I've truly submitted myself, surrendered myself to the will of God, it means this. I don't treat it as a suggestion anymore. I need to move on, but the Holy Spirit just brought this to mind. What would it look like if every single one of us in this room, that called, if we say, hey, I'm a Christian, what if we actually begin to take the Bible and say, you know what, I'm not going to treat it as a suggestion anymore. I'm actually just going to do what it says. What will we look like? And what would our church look like if we said, you know what, I'm going to finally treat this not as a just huge suggestion, I'm going to treat this as my master and teacher and the God and the authority over my life. Say, this is, a, this is what I'm to do. I love when I work through sermons and the Lord says, man, you got a lot of work to do, James, in your own life. One of the things we need to see is that submission requires surrender. Number two is this. The second facet of submission is this. Number two, submission requires humility. Submission requires humility. This idea of coming to God, submitting ourselves, there is an act of surrender, but in the act of surrender, there is this facet of this is what it looks like to humble ourselves. To submit means this, that you humble yourself. Now, we see this all throughout Scripture. One of the things that God requires of us, one of the things that He expects to see in our life is that of humility. Let me just say this. If you don't humble yourself before God, you cannot know God. Let me give you some scriptures. James 4, 6. This is right before he says, submit yourself to God. He says this. James 4, 6. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to what? The humble. Micah 6, 8 says this. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God? Isaiah 66, 2. But this is the one on whom I will look. He is the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. One of the things you see is that this idea of coming to the Lord, it requires humility. 
that you have to be willing to humble yourself and recognize that God is the one and you are not. This is why, in a sense, when you really begin to see really what is the primary sin that you see in Scripture is this combination of unbelief and pride. It's this unbelief to say God is not really who he says he is and this pride to say that I'm better than who I really am. It's just these two things. And in order to come to God, we have to be willing to submit ourselves to him. This is exactly what Jesus Christ did, didn't he? I want you all to look in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 23. This is a crazy verse that Peter portrays for us. He says this. This is talking about when he was being taken to be crucified. And it says this. When he was reviled... He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued to entrust himself to him talking about God who judges justly. Really what he begins to peel back is to say this. Jesus Christ, though a perfect man, was taken through courts, was judged, was beaten, was spit on, was called names, was accused falsely. And here's what's crazy. He never once showed his authority that he had. Is that crazy? That God never, Jesus Christ, God as a man, never once used his authority as he was being led up. Because, well, he, we see this, as he was submitting himself, surrendering himself to the will of God. Let me just say this, and I think this is so neat. Peter knew this up close and personal. Do you remember when... They were coming to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember Peter, just the crazy man, tries to cut the dude's ear off? Do y'all remember that? Maybe not. Okay, it's there, okay? So if you go there, Peter tries to cut a dude's ear off with his sword, and he succeeds. And here's what's crazy is as Jesus goes to pick it up, I want you to listen to what uh, Jesus said to Peter, the guy who's writing this. He says, Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? He's sitting there and he says, do you realize this? At the word of my mouth, I have to ask one time of my father and he will send legions upon legions and legions of angels to come to my rescue and they will do whatever I say. And he didn't do it. Is that wild? The man who had complete and utter authority didn't even use it. And willingly humbled himself, and as the scripture said, to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus Christ is this epitome and perfect picture of what it means to humbly come before God. So let me ask some questions of us. Number one is this. Have you yourself humbled yourself before God? Have you humbled yourself before God? I think, as we think about the idea of submission, this is why we have a very, very hard time. It's because to be humble means, in a sense, you lay down your rights. It means you no longer make it about you. You know, we're really bad at that. Have you ever done this? Have you ever gone to a restaurant and somebody's rude to you and you immediately like, how dare they? How dare they be rude to me? Have you ever like been in a car and somebody swerved in front of you and you're like, how dare they? Do they not know that I'm driving? Like, how, how dare they go in front of me? I mean, it could be a restaurant. It could be maybe at work. Somebody has in a bad mood. You're like, how dare they 
be in a bad mood toward me. Let me just say this. Do you realize like, how prideful that is? Like, I think we don't, let me just say this. In our world right now, like, everybody's offended by everything, right? Do you know, in a sense, what that is? That's pride. It means this. We see so highly of ourselves that we're like, how dare anyone offend me? Now, I'm not trying to, like, if someone says something bad about you, to try to minimize that. But here's what I am saying. That just reveals how prideful we are. How dare they say that about me? Look, and I get this a lot as a pastor. Sometimes usually we're talking and they're like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. They're like, oh, you're the associate pastor. Great, great, great. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the pastor. And they're like, you're too young to be a pastor. And they begin to like say all these like jokes and stuff. And it's like, I could be like offended and be like, how dare you? Do you not know me? I'm a pastor. <laughs> or I could just be like, you know what? They're right. I am young. Like, they're just speaking the truth. Could be rude, but they're speaking the truth. You know what I'm saying? And so one of the things I think, even just in normal life, like, it, 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 we're not very humble people. We're actually very prideful people because we think literally everything revolves around us. And one of the things is, one of the things he's trying to build this case, if you have not humbly submitted yourself to God, it's going to be really hard to live that way toward everyone else. And it's going to be really hard to do that. It's, it's one thing to submit yourself and humble yourself before a God who is perfect and loving and holy and good. What about when you have to submit to someone who's none of those things? Because in a sense, that's what he's going to call us to do. He's saying, if you can't submit to someone who's good and holy and perfect, how in the world are you going to humble yourself before someone who's unjust? That's hard, isn't it? Let me read this. I think this encapsulates what it means to be humble. A guy named Timothy Keller wrote this book. It's a little book. If you haven't got it, it's a really helpful book on, on what it means to be humble. It's called The Freedom of Self, Self-Forgetfulness. But what he does in this book is he actually talks about uh, C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity in his section on pride. And he says, here's one of the things that one of the, the primary characteristics of someone who's not prideful but humble is actually when you walk away from them, you're not going to immediately think that person was just super humble. What you're going to walk away with is that person never talked about themselves. They made the emphasis not on them. They made their emphasis on someone else. Listen to what Keller says talking about that. He says, it's, the thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. So he says what he says, here's what true humility looks like. It's not thinking more of myself or having a super high view of myself. It's not even having a low view of yourself. Because sometimes we think if I just degrade myself that you're humble. No, you're still thinking about yourself. So he says this, true gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. It's not needing to connect things to myself. True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. That is the freedom of self-forgetfulness. And there is blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness will bring. Timothy Keller basically says this. This is what it looks like to truly be humbled by the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you quit thinking of yourself. Let me just pose this. What would we look like if we really begin to forget about ourselves? Quit getting so offended all the time. Quit thinking we always have to be right. We always have to prove our point. We always have to make this effort to, to, to validate ourselves. 
And what if we really humbled ourselves and lived that way? Because, as we'll see in, not this morning, but as we'll see in this passage, that's what he's getting at. If we really want to submit to the authorities around us, we have to be willing to humble ourselves. Let me just give you a preview. He's telling you to submit to the emperor. Guess who the emperor is? Nero. One of the worst people who persecuted Christians. The guy who actually persecute and kill upside down on a cross, the guy who's writing this book. And here's what he says. Honor him. Submit to him. Now, I understand, we ultimately submit to God, and that, okay, so not saying we submit to Him and that trumps everything else, but here's what he's saying honor Him. You know what? The only way you can do that is if you've been humbled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you say, you know what? I really am not a big deal. Just, sometimes they bother me when preachers make. Other people say stuff, you know what I'm saying? So please don't, you don't have to repeat me. But just think how freeing that is. I'm not a big deal. Like, I think like, we need to wake up every morning, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm not that big of a deal. And just breathe. Somebody's going to offend me today. Somebody's going to say something to me today. But you know what? I'm, not, I'm really not that big of a deal. So it doesn't matter. That's what he's calling us to do. He's saying, look, you and I must be humble. To be submissive means to be humble. Here's my big question that I want us to wrestle with this morning, and then I'll pray. It all flows back to this. Have you submitted yourself to Jesus Christ? If you've never surrendered to Him, if you've never humbled yourself before Him, please understand this. The next several weeks as we walk through these, it's going to seem foreign to you. You may get mad and say, there's no way I'm going to do that. The only way that you and I can live the way Peter is calling us to live is by the power of the Holy Spirit and those people who are filled with the Spirit who have humbled and submitted themselves to God. You will not submit to anyone else if you have not first submitted yourself to God. And let me just, can I be honest with you? These are difficult passages. Passages I'm kind of scared to preach. Because I'm like, I don't want to misstep. I don't want to say anything that's not biblical. I I, want to be very careful as we deal with all these sensitive topics. But this is what God has called us to do. And if we really want to be effective and display the gospel, we must be willing to submit ourselves to authority. Let me pray.